You're listening to the podcast version of Spark TV, a monthly drop of interviews where we have a wine with the world's most inspirational female founders. I'm your host, Danielle Lewis, the CEO and co-founder of Scrunch, a global influencer marketing community, as well as the founder of Spark Founders Program, a global membership for female founders who are ready to grow their business. Our vision for Spark TV is to share founder stories so you might garner inspiration and pick up strategies to shortcut your own success. Before we start, I do have a special request. Press pause and go and get yourself a glass of vino. We've both got one and we want to share it with you. Got it? Amazing. Remember, you can also watch these episodes on our YouTube channel, Spark Founders Program, or you can follow our Instagram account at Spark Founders Program for daily business tips. Now sit back, enjoy the vino, and let's bring a little spark to your business. Amazing, Laura. Thank you so much for being here on Spark TV. It's so good to have you. Thanks so much for having me. I am very excited to share your story. Why don't we start off by telling everyone what it is you actually do? Uh, so I'm founder of Strivin. Strivin is all about empowering people to manage their own careers, to release their ambition and potential. So that's through bringing together coaching, mentoring and community. I love it. So good. And I feel like we live in a time where this has never been more important, right? Like people are literally questioning their lives at the moment. Yeah. Do you know what? I think we started kind of at the beginning of COVID and the way that changed during that period was a really interesting time because exactly that, like the way we used to meet people and ask people for help totally changed. But mm. we also ended up in jobs going like, how the fuck do we do this anymore? Like no one has the answers. Where it used to be at least you could ask somebody. Now we're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how we totally. do Totally. I'm just sitting at home by myself going, what do I, who do I even work for? <laughs> <laughs> the joys of working for yourself right (laughs) oh my god exactly exactly but you know I feel like employees are kind of in that problem too now right where you know I know people that have hired staff and team actually I even have someone on my team that I've never met in person like so weird that was just yeah it wasn't how life was you know you used to you kind of look at the media and you think about like onboarding packs you know people coming to their desk and they've got all this merch and they've got all this yeah. stuff and it's like you don't get that anymore <laughs> yeah I don't know about you as well I feel like pre-COVID if anyone said you could build relationships over Zoom people would have given you a funny look but I feel like yeah. actually people really opened up during COVID and I met loads of people doing striving that are now really good friends um, and from two years, never saw them in person to your point about you've got people that work for you, you've never met. But by the time you did meet them, you're like, oh, I've known you for years. What are you talking about? Like, have you seen inside your home? I know where you work. Um, yeah, it's been a really interesting one for sure. It's so true because people used to say that to me about sales. They were like, you can't sell over video. You've got to be in person. And I remember like 2019, I was on a plane twice a week. I was always, so I lived in Brisbane at the time and I was always in Sydney and Melbourne trying to be at the events and meet people in person. And it was so exhausting. And then yeah, 2020 rolls around and suddenly we can do everything via video. (laughs) It's so true. And I don't know about you. I used to, a bit like you, used to be on a plane all the time for work. I can't think Mm. of anything worse now. Like I still love going to see people face to face, but the thought of going back to the airport every week, like I used to, no, I'm good. Thanks. Like once a quarter. Yeah. That's great for me. Totally. I totally agree. And I feel like it was such a time waster, you know, you're always trying to, you're always sitting in like an airport lounge trying to catch up on emails or client things and what have you. And it's like, if I only wasn't in transit for half a day, you know, I would be so much more productive. Totally. So true. 
I love it. So what was the inspiration for Striven? How did you decide that this was going Mm. to be your business? Yeah, I don't know if I so much decided as it kind of happened. And then I was like, oh, I've got a business. Um, <laughs> it, it was one of those, again, like co- beginning of COVID. Um, I was actually on gardening leave from it from another startup. Uh, and then co- and I thought, oh, maybe I'll go traveling. And then obviously we couldn't, couldn't go anywhere. Mm. So I helped a few friends out with their startups and just thought, oh, I don't want to stare at four walls, like make me useful. Mm. Um, and I've always had it like, well, mainly startup background. So just kind of helped out. And then um, I did a startup accelerator. So Antler. BC program do cool. like 10 weeks and it's 100 people and again it's the first time they'd done it through COVID because they used to put 100 people in a room and then it was 100 people like speed dating online to begin with it was it was great trying to work it out but I thought you know what I'll do it for 10 weeks I'll hang out with smart people I'll talk about startup ideas I've got loads of ideas but that was kind of it mm-hmm. and I'll um and then I'll get a job at the end of it because I'm sure the world will have returned to normal by that point because I think we all went into COVID so naively of like this isn't going to go on for very long mm-hmm. um and I went in and there was a group of people all talking about future of work and that was kind of I've got HR tech future of work background um and I loved it and I just got so involved and one of the things that I've always kind of been really passionate about is mentoring and coaching particularly mm-hmm. around that startup space because I feel like as founders or even like most people are one person or two person teams we've all got to be making the same mistakes right so if we all just club together and can have a chat about it then surely we'll make less mistakes we'll feel a little bit less lonely but we'll build a healthier ecosystem so that's kind of where it started and then it was like oh it probably needs to be a bit more than mentoring and that's where like coaching and community came in and events and it kind of just like the idea I guess flourish from that point and just grew grew legs I don't know the best way to kind of describe it but then also it was like oh it's got to be a little bit more than just startups um, you know because actually if you think I was thinking quite small but I think up until like 100 200 people you often don't have learning and development in businesses yeah. or it's not particularly well kind of organized or funded and it's left to individuals and a bit like I don't know about you like I've seen your stack of books like I'm always reading I'm always doing something but actually having to sit down and do a personal development plan or something like that, I'd, I just did it really ad hoc. So I was like, well, maybe if we could build something that made that easier for people, more people would do it. And then we could all just be a little bit less stressed at work because we know we're not the only people making it up today. And there's somebody else making it up today that can just make me feel a bit better about it. Um, but- less stressed at work. Thank you. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the aim. But yeah, yeah so it, it definitely wasn't uh, one of those moments, you know, at the beginning of the year, I'm sure with your business, you sit down, you do your goal setting and you're like, this is what I'm going to achieve this year. It wasn't one of those moments. That I was like, this year, I'm going to start a business. It was like a series of happy accidents is probably the best way to put it. I love that. And that's awesome, right? Because I often think that some people think they have to see the entire staircase, runway, whatever the analogy is, before they take the step. I love that it was a, oh, I think this is a thing. Oh, I think this is a thing. Oh, it has to be one. And it's like, oh, and there we go. Well, I think to your point, like, I think if I'd sat and thought it through, I probably never would have done it because Mm -hmm. it's, you know, there's never a good time to start your own business and not earn money or not have stability or any anything else, particularly in the middle of a global pandemic when no one knows anything at that point. You know, Mm -hmm. if I look back now, but I also think because none of us had the answers, it was also easier because it was like, actually, do you know what? I'll give it a go. Um, there wasn't a ton of marketing jobs around at the time anyway. No one really knew what was happening. Mm. Um, so it was just, I think, probably the timing played in my favor. Um, so, yeah, it probably made me do it, to be honest. I love that, though. Like, why not capitalize on yeah. opportunities, challenges, stars aligning, all of the things? 100%, exactly. 
So you said you were in startups before, mm. like working in startups before having your own startup, having your yeah. own business. What was the career path before yeah. you actually launched the business? Yeah, so I've always worked in marketing. I did marketing management at uni and then landed up with a marketing job, um, mainly in tech. I've done a couple of roles outside of tech, but it's been mainly in tech um, and then kind of got into the start world probably about 10 years ago. Um, and when I got to Australia, I ended up working for a HR tech startup. And that's when my real kind of like future of work, like we could be doing this better, just got really ingrained into that whole world. Mm. And then there are a few other future of work HR tech startups, but always in marketing, love marketing partnerships. Um, it's something I've been really passionate about. But I think the more I got in and as I built on grew teams and worked with more and more people, I think then the passion for leadership and actually we can do this better. And, you know, we're on these fast growths. How do you prepare people for the fast growth you get in a startup? Mm. Um, that kind of side came out. So I feel like Strive is kind of a really good mix of those two things. That's so good. And so have you then, you know, I would assume you've taken your marketing expertise into mm. growing the business. Has it been different, like working for another business brand, you know, thinking, thinking, I know everything there is to know about marketing. I'm so good at this, like pulling that into your own business. Has there been any learning curves? Yeah, hundred percent. And number one, like, I don't know, I don't think you'll ever know all there is to know about marketing because it changes so it much changes all the time. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I think there's that side, but I think the difference between your own business that I found is like one, okay, you don't have a budget or a team. So that's really tough. So you're used to kind of things being a certain standard and, you know, wanting them to be great. great. And then it's your business. Mm -hmm. and you still want them to be great because your heart and soul's in it, but you don't have the money or the team and all those other things. So you've got to get to this point where it's like, done is better than perfect and someone said that to me right at the beginning of the journey and I hated it mm. and then about a few months and I was like oh my god it's so true like done really is better than perfect I think is one but I also think the flip side of it having a marketing background has been really helpful mm. because right from the beginning I uh, I invested in brand quite early and I was really lucky I've got a friend with a branding agency who helped out but just nice. that whole kind of branding piece thinking about you know long term who are we how do we want to show up in the world um and I don't think many startups do that. And I'm sure lots of investors would probably tell you not to spend all that time on that at the beginning. But we did. And I actually think that's paid off because I've been able, had lots of people come to us and lots of big businesses because they think we're bigger because the brand shows up in a certain way. But I also think it was a bit of a signal from a startup point of view. It's like we're around to stay like this isn't an idea we had today that we're going to go tomorrow. We're waiting for someone to buy us. This is like this is purposeful. This is what we want to do. And this is what we want to last. So I think there's that. And then I think the other side is probably the community side. Again, like really invested in community building and previous businesses. And you actually don't need too much money to invest in community. You yeah. just kind of have to like really believe and spend the time on it. And we built an awesome community from the beginning. And I think that's part of the reason I love it so much, but we've done as well as we have, because we had so many people that believed in what we believe and have really helped kind of amplify that, but also give us loads of feedback, which is awesome. Because it's really easy. I'm sure, as you know, your friends always say nice things to you, right? They're always like, oh, it's yeah, fine, I hate it's it. fine. I'm like, give me something to work with here. <laughs> and that's it. And that's why you get those first, that, those first people in the community and they want to give you that harsh feedback because they know it could be more and they know it could be better. Yeah. And that's totally invaluable. 
Uh, look, I could not agree with you more. I think there's a few interesting points there. Um, interesting on the brand side. So I always say that because I went from, I've always been a salesperson. So I went from 10 years uh, in Telstra, so very well-known uh, national brand to then my own business. And like you pick up the phone, you're like, hi, it's Danielle from Scrunch. And they're like, what? <laughs> so I totally agree with you around investing in your brand because it does give you the ability to bridge that gap. So if somebody, if you know they've received a cold email from you or a LinkedIn request or whatever, and they go and investigate you, if you're showing up like you are bigger, like you are more established, like you're really polished, it helps bridge the gap that they don't know the name. Mm -hmm. So I really do agree with you there. Um, but I'm interested in community, right? So I feel like now everyone's mm -hmm. talking about community. I think yep. it is, I think it's critical, don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. but I, I think I, I want to help people understand how. So, you know, it's, I know like every, every post read build community, build community. I'm like, yeah, yeah. but how do, how do you do it? Like, well, tell me yeah. some tips on if I was brand new, had an idea, I want to solve a problem. Um, but I, and I know that community will be critical for me. Where would yeah. you start? So I think that's a good question. I guess just before that, like the communities, I'm with you, people talk about it, but I think they talk about it in the same way in brand, like people talk about it, but mm. not that many people are executing on it well. Yes. And it becomes one of those like buzzwords that we keep kind of throwing around. And I'm dead for a second think that we're nailing it. There's 101 things we could be doing better the same on brand. But I think it was just like to you and what you feel as well, like you've been purposeful about doing it with other people. Mm. And I think with community, I was lucky that I'm, um, I knew a few people of target market. So I kind of, you know, recruited them and then they recruited their friends. And mm -hmm. it was all kind of like like-minded people who shared values. And we were very value driven to begin with of like, we don't know the answer, but this is what we're trying to do. Do you want to come with us on the journey? So I think probably tips would be, be honest about who you are and where you're at. Make sure it's values aligned because then no matter where you end up, the values will be the same and it won't matter what the final destination is, particularly for early community build. And then I think probably just being a little bit more purposeful about who those people are, which is, I guess, a little bit why to begin with, it was like, I found people who I'd known and I'd worked with, and then they found their people and we kind of grew that way. So I guess we went slow to go fast yeah, um, rather than just kind of, you know, anyone and everything. Yeah. And you know what I love about what you just said is you were like, people it is the one-to-one -one relationship find the people find the values alignment you didn't say you need to start an instagram account and post reels every day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know it is i think it's so important i think that we do get swept up in you know the tactics rather than the strategy you know and and valuing and we don't value enough the one-to-one -one connection because i feel like everything's got to go viral. Everything's got to go fast. Yeah. We've got to be a unicorn, but we, so we sort of just think that one-to-one -one conversations or one-to-one -one relationships are just not going to get us there fast enough. Mm. But I think that if you do invest in the one-to-one -one early, it has a snowball effect. You know, I feel like if you're trying to go viral on day one, people are like, what are you doing? And they don't relate to it. But when you yeah. do invest in that one-to-one, -one, that's it does go viral eventually, you know, because it, it has that snowball impact. Yeah, you're so right. Um, and yeah, to your point, everyone, um, I don't know about you, but I'm always like, everyone's always telling you like, oh, you need to be on TikTok. You need to be here. You need to be here. There's always more channels that we can be in. 
but it's like as one person again starting a business you can only do so much Mm. and I think it's like you've got to do what you believe in but what you know you can do well yeah a hundred percent that is the real challenge isn't it and I always say that to people about sales and marketing it's like there are a hundred different things you could do but if you try and do all of them you're going to stretch yourself thin and and also how you're really going to know what's working and not working I think you do right you do have to actually cherry pick a couple that you think might be the key um, and try and do that really well yeah and be okay if they're not the right ones I guess is the other one as well like really have that test and learn approach Mm. and it's okay like you learned something today that one wasn't the right one for you you know what's next totally I love that so bringing the marketing mindset mm. to your own business, um, I mean, I think that's amazing because I think that sales and marketing is like the number one thing about business. <laughs> so I'll yeah. preach to that. But what was it like going from an employee to business owner? I mean, obviously having the marketing background, amazing, but I'm sure there'd be a steep learning curve in terms of other areas of the business um, mm. that would have been an interesting journey for you. I think it's all been a steep learning curve, to be honest with you, even the marketing side, because it's it's still totally different, right? Like you've got the fundamentals, but it's still you're going from, you know, a team to you. But I think mm-hmm. the, uh, the big one for me has been product and product management. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've built a tech product and I had no idea about product management before. And I read all the books and I did all the things they tell you to do. And then I did all the things they tell you not to do. And I did some of those as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, because it's like, well, it'll be different for me, obviously. Like I've read like, the book clearly, first, yes. so you know, <laughs> I read the book. Um, and I think that honestly has been the toughest because you you have to do all these things that you don't know how you're doing, right? Because mm. one day you're the product manager and then the next day you're the finance person. And then the day after that, you're the salesperson. Where really you've come from a business, or I did certainly, where I, I've got a marketing background and I can do marketing. I had no idea how you build a product or how you're a product manager or, mm. you know, how I'm supposed to do the finances or, or how I sell, to be perfectly honest, right? I've worked mm. with salespeople, but I'd never done it. Um, and I think that's been the toughest learning curve is you spend most of your time doing things that you actually don't know how to do, but yeah. you have to let other people know that you do know what you're doing, or at least to some extent that you're mildly competent even Mm. though you're sitting there going, I've got no idea. And I think with that as well, like all the software, like building products, like we had whimsical boards and then we had Figma and then we had Jira. And then, and then it's like every day I felt like I was learning a new piece of software as well as a new language to talk to product people or developers. So I think that's been the biggest thing. Um, But probably real empathy going, thinking back about old jobs of how everything kind of came together. Mm. I had such a, narrow view on things because you just looked at everything from your point of view from your marketing point of view and probably didn't properly think about how all those other components fed into it um so yeah real empathy for I guess how it comes together and how much effort it takes to build anything um but I guess in this instance of products like mind-blowingly hard Yes. Oh my God. Could not agree with you more. Um, but it's interesting. I love that point about um, how everything comes together because mm. you're right. Like as a business owner uh, or a founder, you are kind of going, okay, today I've got to be a marketing manager. Today I've got to be a salesperson. Today I've got to be a product manager. Today I've got to be finance. So you are chopping and changing, learning on the fly, but actually having the ability to step back and think about how everything does come together is really, really critical. And I think that we overlook it sometimes. I We get so trapped in our to-do list 
um, that we actually feel bad if we're not on the tools. So that ability to actually say, you know, the magic actually happens when it all comes together. So being able to give ourselves a little space and love and kindness and say, you know, I'm going to take a couple of hours or God forbid the afternoon off <laughs> and, and look at things from that 30,000 foot overview. Um, I think you're right. I think, yeah, it is a really interesting thing. I love the way you put it, like that empathy for the way everything actually comes together. I've not heard anyone say it like that, but I love it. Yeah, I think to your point there is really, it is it's so easy. You've got your to-do list and your to-do list is always 100 items long and you're never going to get through it. And sometimes you forget big picture. So mm. actually taking those breaks to go right what is the strategy rather than tactical execution is so important but probably the hardest thing to do because that to-do list is never going to decrease anytime soon totally and I think we feel guilty but I think that you know when you do step back it helps prioritize that to-do list you know it's one of those things that the the other challenge we face as entrepreneurs is that we have a billion ideas and like we can improve it that way we can do that we can try that marketing we can do this and it's so the to-do list is never ending also because we have like idea spam and you know actually being able to prioritize it is that act of stepping back thinking big picture thinking strategically I love ideas spam I'm gonna steal that (laughs) totally oh my god I I came up with ideas spam because we had like a couple of creatives in the business at like a varying terms in the years and and it would just be like that it would be like we could do this we could do this we could do this and I'm like yeah we could but we gotta do one thing first if we don't just get one thing done we're never gonna do anything so I used to I had a Oh, I remember years and years ago, I think we used Trello at one stage and I made a Trello list that was idea spam. And I was like, okay, all idea spam goes on this board or list or whatever it is. And that can get tabled when we decide what we build or don't build or try or not try. Too good. I love it. So amazing. So obviously lots of key challenges. What do you think has been your um, biggest lesson? Like what's something that you reflect on that you think um, perhaps maybe I wish I had known that a little bit earlier or, you know, something that you would impart wisdom to somebody else to help them shortcut their success? Yeah. Loads of lessons, I guess, is probably the big thing. I think like more lessons in the last two years than probably and the rest of your career. But I think when I was thinking about it earlier, I think there's a few bits. And I think one is, I think we get in our own way a lot. Mm. Like we tell ourselves what we can and can't do. And we create stories around that that are self-limiting, or I certainly do. Um, Everyone does. Yes, I agree. (laughs) I'm like cheerleading (laughs) over here. Yes. (laughs) And I think if we took that mindset and thought, would we ever say that to a friend? Mm. We'd probably think about things very differently. We're so hard on ourselves and we would never talk to our friends like we talk to ourselves. And I think that's a really big one. Like, let's not limit what we can do. Mm. Um, And then I think the other lesson is really try and find your people and whether that's just really awesome friends that are great cheerleaders because you're going to need them but you're also probably going to need people that are doing what you're doing because starting your own business is a bit stupid if you realistically think about it right like there's lots of reasons not to do it and it's hard and it's an emotional roller coaster and it's all of those things so you really need those people that understand those ups and downs Mm. but also tell you when to celebrate because it's difficult to celebrate your wins sometimes when you're facing so much so they'll they'll support you on your bad days and they're going to celebrate you on your good days 
and you really need those as well so I think it's really about what's your community or your set of cheerleaders however you want to put it like you even as a like I'm a single founder right you can't you still don't do it alone right I've got so many people around me that help out with different bits and pieces even if it's just taking a call when I'm having a bad day Mm. like you need them it isn't a one-person thing Oh, it's so, so true. Like, I know it's interesting how we talk about communities for sales and marketing. So we're like, Mm -hmm. find your people that will support you. Um, You know, that is how you grow customers. That is how you grow your business. But it's so true as just being a business owner, like finding the people that really resonate with your journey that have done what you're trying to do so they have a few insights or exactly like you say even people that don't understand it but that just are your biggest cheerleaders because you're right it is bloody hard (laughs) it's bloody bloody hard some days so and and I love the celebrating wins factor as well um you're so right right it's on days where there are a hundred things on our to-do list or the thing we built didn't work but we've got this other amazing thing that happens we kind of feel guilty about celebrating sometimes because well not everything is perfect yeah totally or like I mean it's almost like when sometimes like a win does come through like oh my god that's just that box ticked <laughs> and then you're like you're on to yeah. the next day yeah so you have got to celebrate the little things because if you don't celebrate the little things the other stuff does get on top of you it's so true. Like you've got to, you've got to really control your energy as a business mm-hmm. owner. You really yeah. need to be hyper aware of um, making sure you give yourself that opportunity to feel happy. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know? absolutely. Or celebrate the little things because it's, it's a reminder of the journey you're going on. Mm. And it's just like, they're all stepping stones, right? You don't suddenly have a business overnight, right? Like they're all, That's- you've got to get the little bits along the way. I love that. So Speaking of stepping stones then and growing businesses, how would you, I know we've really talked about communities as one of the the key pivotal marketing strategies, but how else have you grown the business? What are some things that you've tried, perhaps failed or, you know, tried and been successful? Like what's your sales journey been like? Yeah. So I think, so we're direct to consumer and I would say that we've grown fairly steadily. Like I'm sure, um, you know, from a VC perspective, I should have gone out and tried to acquire 10,000 customers in a year. And we've kind of oh, done the opposite that of that. Stick? Where's that <laughs> yeah. hockey stick? Exactly. And there hasn't been a hockey stick. It's just been pretty consistent week on week. And I think that's mm-hmm. one, because it's been a lot more relationship based and it's been like, who are the people that are going to help us build it? Because it is still pretty early days. So lots of one-to-one interactions, start a podcast, interviewing people about their careers, because it was really yes. good user research, number one. But also number two, it felt like a mentoring session every time, which was fantastic when you're doing what you're doing. <laughs> yep. So I think trying to meet lots of people. I think the other one is we've really celebrated other people. So people that have come on the platform and they've mentored and they've helped out. We've really talked about them and shouted about them, which has then meant that their networks found out about us that way. And it wasn't done for that reason. It was just like, well, we're all about career journeys and celebrating that there's 101 different ways to get to the same destination. So we just kind of really celebrated those people that came on the journey with us. Mm. So a lot of it really has been that word of mouth, I guess, but kind of social word of mouth because we spent a large part of our time online um and then I think the other one and I guess this goes back to marketing background is content creation Mm. we speak to all these people that are all doing similar things so we've created a ton of blogs podcasts ebooks anything that we can do that kind of helps people out um so I think content's the other one 
I love that because that's free. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it takes time, obviously, yeah. and and it's not a go viral on day one situation. Yeah. Um, but I love it because people say that to me all the time. They're like, well, what do I do? And I was like, well, you know, if you have time, if you're sitting in front of Netflix, the mm. thing that you can do is create content. You can write a blog article. You can, you know, ch- uh, have I brainstorm ideas for your next social post. You can start a podcast for free. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think content is, I mean, I feel, feel like when you're in sales and marketing, you the word content is overused. Yeah. But when you're a business owner, people don't know how valuable content is. It's a really mm. funny divide because um, I agree, like the biggest, the biggest, our biggest and best marketing channel is our blog because we started it a decade ago. So there's just hundreds of articles up on there and it's been going for so long. The keywords are ranking all that kind of good stuff. So let's wrap on perhaps a final piece of advice for female founders specifically. Um, Mm -hmm. So has there been any part of your journey where you have felt, you know, being a woman in business, there has been any particular set of challenges or if you think about women who might be wanting to start a business, any piece of advice that you would leave our, our beautiful community with? Yeah, a piece of advice. I don't know about a piece of advice. And I guess my experience as a woman in tech is probably the same as most women in tech. What I would say, just on the more positive side, whenever I found other female founders, They've been incredibly, incredibly supportive and have actively gone out of their way to help me out when they didn't know me, right? It was just like, you're a female founder, so I'm going to help you out. Mm. And I've been really blown away by how amazing that's been. I know there aren't a huge amount of female founders, but I think when you find them, all they do is want to cheerlead and support you. And that's incredible. So I think programs like what you're building and, uh, and, you know, there's lots of groups out there that do similar things. I think it's find them. Because when you know that you're not alone and you've got other people in your corner, it makes it a lot easier. Oh, my God. I love that so much because you're so right. I find that um, women in particular don't want to ask for help. We kind of have this fear or weirdness that we should know everything and that we, you know, should get it right the first time. But equal parts, women are the most supportive in business. You are so spot on. Um, Every woman in business that I've ever met has just been willing to bend over backwards, do absolutely anything, create, you know, share a resource, you know, share a contact, whatever it is. It's just we've got to ask, you know, we've got to get ourselves in the position of actually asking for help sometimes. Yeah. And I think as well, I don't know about your experience, but with mine, it's it's lots of people that have said, how can I help in that instance? Because they know that you don't want to be the first one to help. Yeah. And I think once you've had that a few times as well, it helps build your confidence. Like, oh, it's actually it, people do want to help. People want to see you succeed. Um, and sometimes it's nice when people give you that reminder or give you almost give you that permission. So you build that confidence. So, you know, it's OK. Absolutely. So that's that's the question we should leave everyone with as women. <laughs> Go ask somebody, how can I help today? <laughs> 100%. Oh, you are so amazing, Laura. Thank you so much for being here on Spark TV and sharing your journey and insights and wisdom. Um, beyond thankful for your time. No, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. 
That wraps this episode of Spark TV. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. That helps other amazing female founders like you find us and grow too. You can also follow along on Instagram at Spark Founders Program for daily business inspiration and DM us with a guest you'd like to hear from next. Or even join our community at sparkfoundersprogram.com. Thank you for being here. And if no one tells you today, you got this.